Conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show. Conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Last week, the Democrats in the House, with their appointed rhino allies, launched their much ballyhooed hearings on the Capitol building breach of January 6, 2021. On that day, a group of hundreds of angry pro-Trump demonstrators, which evidence suggests were led on by undercover law enforcement agitators, broke off from the hundreds of thousands of peaceful demonstrators flooding Washington, D.C. that day to protest what they viewed as the stolen 2020 presidential election and stormed the Capitol building. These people were, the evidence strongly suggests, unwittingly duped into trespassing and committing other crimes outside and inside the Capitol that day, thus giving rise to the claim that there was a seditious insurrection that threatened the republic and which was alleged to have been all the fault of Donald Trump. I'm not defending what these people did and their actions played into the hands of Trump's worst enemies, but I can understand their intense frustration and anger on that day. Whatever you may think of the Capitol breach, Trump only urged those protesting in Washington that day to protest peacefully, and those who committed the Capitol breach were a distinct minority who, as I said, strongly appear to have been led on to commit their illegal acts, and play into the hands of the dominant leftist establishment in Washington, desperate desperate to end Trump's presidency and to ensure Trump is never again able to run for office. Every day, if you're looking for it, there is more and more evidence being uncovered showing that Trump won the presidential race in a tsunami of voter approval. That same evidence also strongly suggests that An enormously powerful and well-organized criminal cabal was able to steal the election and install their candidate, Joe Biden, in the White House. I believe they had a plan all along that if Biden was losing the election, as he was, they would step in and steal it for him. Hence the sudden and mysterious stopping of of all vote counting in the key election swing states on election night, etc., The exact actors in this criminal conspiracy are yet to be identified, but they have been supported by much of our political business and cultural elites with their enormous amounts of money tied up with the Communist Chinese Party, the CCP. There is also plenty of evidence that the CCP itself was a major player in the election coup that removed Trump from office. For example… Election integrity warrior Mike Lindell, who was waging a campaign to get rid of electronic voting equipment, contends this equipment was hacked primarily by the CCP in states across the nation, in every state, and millions of votes originally cast for Trump were flipped to Joe Biden. And by the way, Lindell is promoting a new documentary about the electronic voting equipment, focusing on the state of Colorado. This video will premiere July 16th, as I understand it. You can go to selectioncode.com to sign up for updates on this video and receive a free digital download of it. That's selection, S-E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N-C-O-D-E dot com. Then, of course, 
we have all the pandemic-related illegal changes of voting rules around the country, which opened the way for the massive ballot fraud that occurred, throwing millions more votes to Biden. From all of that I've seen, along with tens of millions of other Americans, as well as people, millions of more people from around the world, I believe that the 2020 election was stolen through massive fraud, that Biden is an illegitimate president, and even worse, that this is all part of an ongoing coup to overthrow our constitutional government, weaken and ultimately destroy our political, civil, and cultural institutions, and pave the way for America to be handed over to the CCP and subjugated as a vassal state to communist China. The most stunning, staggering realization in all of this is the incredible stupidity of our country's so-called elites participating in and supporting this sedition and treason. These people actually believe that they are going to continue to be fabulously rich, powerful, and free under the tyranny they are promoting. All you have to do to see what fate is awaiting all of us is to look at what's going on in communist China, where the CCP's red aristocracy, as they're called, reigns supreme, albeit with, albeit with constant vicious factional infighting accompanied, accompanied by purges and assassinations or assassination attempts. The common people are virtual slaves who exist to serve the ambitions of the CCP's ruling class. <clears throat> Those falling out of grace with the powers that be, such as the CCP official who funneled millions of dollars to Hunter Biden and his family, including, according to Hunter Biden himself, to the big guy, Joe Biden, usually disappear into the CCP's gulag prisons or are executed. This particular funder of Biden, the Bidens has reportedly disappeared and is believed dead. Actually, that's also an effective way of disposing of incriminating evidence, isn't it? Joe Biden always seems to talk tough about China, but then moves to assist it. So much of what Biden does helps the CCP that you can make a strong argument that Joe Biden is owned by the CCP and that we now have a CCP agent, if not spy, in the White House. Among all the shocking evidence that Joe Biden has for years been using his political office to sell influence in the U.S. government and enrich himself and his family is the fact that President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and more recently author Peter Schweitzer, have reported that the Biden family has received at least $31 million in payments from entities connected with the CCP. This has never been contested by anyone credible that I'm aware of. Instead, it's simply ignored by our equally corrupt, compromised, duplicitous, and hypocritical mainstream media, along with everyone else in the Democratic Party, the communists, and our CCP-captured political, business, financial, and cultural elites. How such a corrupt bumbler as Joe Biden could have even been allowed to run for public office, let alone hold the presidency of the United States, is beyond me. Where is our vaunted U.S. Justice Department and FBI? These are entities so vigorously and exhaustively investigated to the point of nausea. I'm sorry, these entities which so vigorously and exhaustively investigated to the point of nausea, the bogus Trump-Russia collusion narrative, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, what, if anything, are they doing to investigate all the evidence about Biden? That is the level of appalling corruption we have in our government institutions today, my friends. That is the extremely dangerous and threatening state of affairs, affairs heavily influenced 
by communist China that we are in today. I'd like to think I'm wrong about this, but I don't see anything contradicting my view. And speaking of corrupt, treacherous officials, it's notable that the sham Democrat-controlled House January 6th committee hearings started off with a video clip of former Trump administration U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr relating that he considered claims of election and vote fraud to be bullshit and that one of the main reasons Barr chose to resign his office was that he considered it unconscionable that Trump should be continuing to contend that the election was stolen. This treachery may seem stunning until we realize that Barr became a multi-millionaire working for Verizon Communications, which has big business in communist China. Barr also served on the board of Time Warner, which has big business in China. Likewise, January 6th committee Rhino member Liz Cheney's husband works for a law firm doing a lot of business in China with offices in Shanghai and Beijing. Cheney was appointed by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who, while occasionally bleating muted criticisms of communist China, has, with her husband and son, possibly hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investments, including many millions of sweetheart business deals and investments in China. Are we connecting the dots here? Was Barr, who many believed was honest and would unfailingly defend our republic, yet another plant from our corrupt, treasonous political establishment who all along intended to sabotage Trump and the country? As you'll hear shortly from the conservative commentator Black Conservative Patriot, or BCP as he calls himself, it's now clear that Barr is part of the problem we are facing with the coup that overthrew our government. I have to wonder how much longer the corrupt, in my opinion, lying fraud Bill Barr will be able to keep claiming that he, there was no significant fraud in the 2020 election. Apparently, Barr has not seen or is purposely avoiding the report by Wisconsin State Special Counsel and former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman exposing massive fraud in that state during the 2020 election and recommending that Wisconsin recall its Electoral College votes for Joe Biden. As Mike Lindell and others have pointed out, the biggest challenge we face today exposing fraud in the 2020 election is Republicans, more specifically rhinos, or as you know, Republicans in name only. True to form, Wisconsin House Speaker Rhino Robin Voss, while acknowledging there was widespread fraud in the state's election, has decided to do nothing about it. Voss also recently extended Gableman's investigation, but then immediately suspended it, pending the outcome of lawsuits against it, thus ensuring nothing significant will be done anytime soon that could lead to threatening Joe Biden's illegitimate presidency. Likewise, the forensic audit ordered by the legislature in Arizona revealed evidence of massive fraud in the 2020 election there and could lead to that state at least trying to recall its electoral votes cast for Biden. This evidence has been turned over to Rhino, as Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Burnovich is reported to have wanted Biden to win and appears to be largely doing nothing thus far, at least, with the evidence he has. And then we have all the evidence of widespread fraud in Georgia in the 2020 election, as well as afterward. If you follow election integrity battles, you likely are aware of the infamous in surveillance video of State Farm Arena Ballot Counting Center in Atlanta on election night 2020, 
where you could see poll watchers illegally kept far away from observing the counting and then sent home for the night after being told the the counting was stopped due to a water leak or something. After which, poll workers are seen pulling out suitcases of suspicious ballots and begin scanning them multiple times through counting machines. Hours later, an avalanche of votes for Joe Biden are recorded and Biden carries Georgia by a thin margin. The website auditgeorgianow.com is a focal point for grassroots efforts to launch a true forensic audit of the 2020 election in Georgia, which pro-Trump attorney Lynn Wood has called the most corrupt state in the nation. Information posted on the website includes the following. Video evidence of poll workers at State Farm Arena scanning ballots after it was announced work was done for the night, as I said. This includes footage of workers apparently scanning the same ballots multiple times. This suspicion was corroborated by Voter GA. That's the so, VoterGA.org is the companion site of this one. And this, it said it was corroborated by VoterGA's preliminary inspection of ballot images in Fulton County. Also, sworn affidavits from poll workers attesting to stacks of suspicious ballots that felt and looked different from legitimate ballots. As a result of an unconstitutional consent decree, the process for rejecting non-matching ballot signatures was so onerous as to be virtually impossible in the course of timely ballot processing. Also, the election was conducted with the Dominion voting machines, which were declared to be in violation of Georgia law by the U.S. District Court of Northern Georgia. And a thorough report compiled by Matt Brainerd and his team at Look Ahead America, providing specific verifiable evidence of likely illegal ballots cast in the 2020 election. The projected number of illegal ballots well exceeds the margin of victory in Georgia, the site says. And there's also states, 72% of Dropbox absentee ballots that were counted in DeKalb County were in violation of chain of custody requirements, over 43,000 in total. This is almost four times the official margin of victory for Joe Biden in 2020. The site goes on to state that statistical anomalies identify identified in many Georgia counties by former military intelligence army captain Seth Keschel. He has a telegram channel which talks a lot about this as well. You can get more information at auditganow.com as well as its companion site voterga.org. Here's the aforementioned BCP's commentary on the first day of the January 6th hearing in Congress. I believe I've seen his name published on the internet, but since he doesn't use it, probably for good reason, on his YouTube channel or his channel on Locals.com, where he's less censored, I won't use it. BCP describes himself as being half black and half Hispanic. He's all American and all patriot. And I find his commentary some of the most insightful on the alternative media. You can find him, as I said, on YouTube and his less censored commentary on his Locals.com channel. This is from his broadcast on his Locals.com channel, June 10. Play sound by one, please. Welcome to BCP Unfiltered. The very first thing that the unselect committee, the January 6th committee, which is, we call it the unselect. Folks, the committee is illegitimate. It's not bipartisan. A reminder, Nancy Pelosi Pelosi set up the, the committee by rules. The Democrats put their people on. The Republicans put their people on. Kevin McCarthy put folks on like Jim Jordan and Nancy Pelosi balked and said, no, he can't be on there. Kevin McCarthy pulled all the Republicans off of the committee. And then Pelosi says, I'll put my own Republicans on, putting Liz Cheney 
and Adam Kinzinger. It's not bipartisan. The Republicans didn't get to pick their people on the committee. Plus, they're overstepping their boundaries as they're being judge, jury, and executioner. Yesterday, the very first thing out the gate that they played was A.G. Bill Barr, a, uh, a, a G. Bill Barr saying the following and showing that, in fact, what we already know to be true, he is a swamp creature, cover-upperer, and a despicable attorney general and human being. It is clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election, that there was fraud in the election. Yep, that is how this ABC, former ABC News producer started the production of the unselect January 6th committee hearing yesterday, primetime TV that no one cared about or watched because they knew it was propaganda. A lot of people said they couldn't make it five seconds into it. They started off with this um, taped interview of the treasonous traitors, rat bastard, former attorney general, Bill Barr saying that President Trump lost the 2020 election, that his belief that it was stolen was BS. And then if you heard the end there, he says, you can't live in a world where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported, ordered by specific evidence that there was no fraud in the election. Well, listen, bastard, A.G. Bill Barr, we can't live in a world where the incoming administration is a false and fraudulent one, which is what we're having right now. And look at what we've got. Oh, no more mean tweets. We've got an illegitimate president destroying everything from the 1.4% inflation we had under Trump, which now is like 10% or more the real number. Wars, instability, lack of jobs, opportunity, housing market crashing, markets crashing, energy dependence, not energy independence. And we've got January 6th political prisoners. In less than two years, we have a fake president that has taken us to communism. And A.G. Bill Barr says that there was no evidence. But of course, how can we believe him? We saw that they were Republican observers not even able to be in the counting room. Remember when they were posting things up and not letting them see? We have states that absolutely battleground states that determined the election. Just stopped. Cold stopped counting in the middle of the night and all of a sudden we got big dumps. Nothing to see here, right, Bill Barr? You're d- dumb. Not dumb. He's a smart man. You rat bastard. I guess you haven't seen 2,000 mules. You didn't see what was happening in Nevada. You were a cover upper. And yes, you fooled. I know some people would like to rub it in my face. I told you, BCP, Bill Barr wasn't to be trusted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I trusted in Trump. I trusted in other people like Jim Jordan and others, Devin Nunes, who were in the middle of this, and they had confidence that Bill Barr would do the right thing. My confidence was in Bill Barr because of two things. The people I trusted and who have proven to be warriors trusted him. And also, man, how were they were going after him from the left and the Pelosi and the Marxists. You go after your enemies hardcore. Oh, that was just controlled opposition. No, folks. 
At one point, AG Bill Barr perhaps had the intention of doing the right thing. Trump says that Bill Barr uh, didn't want to be impeached, didn't want to go against a deep state, and he just folded. So I don't know if he was he was uh, put in place in the very beginning to stifle everything, run out the clock, or somewhere along the uh, the, the way he was uh, influenced. But when it comes to the elections, he definitely wasn't just asleep. He was in opposition. He was part of the problem. I'm sure BCP meant to include in Biden's disastrous policies our open borders, which are due to Biden's willful refusal to enforce our immigration laws and his actually encouraging mass illegal immigration to overrun our borders and destroy our country. This is no doubt at the direction of one of Biden's masters, the leftist billionaire George Soros. And also Biden trying to turn over authority to impose draconian lockdowns and other martial law effects on the U.S. and the rest of the world to the CCP-dominated U.N. World Health Organization in future epidemics. And there's more, but there isn't time to go over it all now. Here's some more great commentary on how the mainstream media tries to, in this case, how the mainstream media tries to twist their reporting narratives and give the impression that no one credible really believes there was significant fraud in the 2020 election. It's, it's, it's from another one of my favorite commentators, Will Johnson, whose program, Let's Talk About It, appears on Mike Lindell's free speech platform, frankspeech.com. This is audio from a video on Johnson's program, May 31. It begins with a video of Fo- a Fox News reporter arguing with a prominent congressman over election allegations of election fraud in 2020. Play soundbite two, please. There has been still no evidence or proof provided that there was any uh, sort of fraud in that. Any well, no, that's wrong. Don't, that I election. don't know why you people in the media I, I just, keep I saying just, that, but hold, that is absolutely false. That is absolutely false. You keep note, saying though, it every time, but what, that's absolutely what false. Is false you had 150 congressmen and senators who absolutely disagreed with you on what you just said. So what are you calling them? What are you calling them when you say 150 uh, Republican senators and congressmen looked at the voter fraud issue and said there was a major problem. What are you calling the Commission on Federal Election Reform, a bipartisan uh, uh, Mm -hmm. committee uh, with Jimmy Carter on the one hand and James Baker, Ronald Reagan, White House chief of staff on the other, back in 2005, who analyzed the systemic weaknesses, the systemic flaws in our election system and warned us that elections are going to be stolen if we don't fix these problems and those problems were not fixed. So I don't know who's telling you there's no evidence, but that tells me you haven't done your homework. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. Stop it real quick. Stop it real quick. Stop it real quick. Now, this is something that they always do. They always rush back to the courts. And I love his response. I love his answer to this. Because a lot of people are like, oh, well, the court said this court said one thing. The court said this. And let me let me bring let me bring something else to light. And this is something that I've noticed over the years. Every single time you take something that's political and it's and it's in favor of those on the right, all of these judges throw it out. They said they throw it out because it's political. They don't even want to look at it every single time. This has just been my experience of looking at all of this, but every single time you have leftists take something to a federal judge, the federal judge is all about it. They're happy to do it. It's very rare, very rare for a federal judge to go against the left. I mean, it happens, but it's very rare. Listen to his answer. 
than the judges that have no, no, the courts. The, wait, time out. Don't go into that. Don't go okay. into that. All right. Don't I go into that. Up, though, the courts do not note. have the. Wait a minute. No, no. I'm getting. I'm getting in the last word on this one because you just made a false statement. Okay. The Ooh. courts are not the final arbiter of who wins federal election contests. Congress is. That is required by the United States Constitution. That is required by the United States Code for congressmen and senators and the president. So don't be surprised that courts quote, don't usurp me, the power that is quote, authorized the United States Congress. Let me just quote the GOP commissioner in Wisconsin in the Wall Street Journal uh, today. Printed and I will read it verbate. He said, there is no evidence that election fraud is the reason Trump lost in Wisconsin, and that is not for lack of looking. His advice to your party is to pivot away from these conspiracy theories, focus on the issue that affects Wisconsin families and their pocketbooks. Sir, I want to move on to January okay, 6th. Then look Stop at it real quick. Stop it real quick. Because, see, she's trying to get that point in there, trying to make it like she's right. And then she wants to move on. Right. She wants to change the channel. She wants to like, OK, divert from this conversation because I want to be right in this. She is wrong. They've all been wrong. Fox News, MSDNC, the Communist News Network, they're all pushing this lie. I just recently watched two with the 2000 mules and I, it completely exposed the left. And you know what? She's going to come back and, and list off liberal fake fact checkers saying that it was debunked. Seriously, this is Fox News. It irks me to no end. And people are sitting there watching this garbage. Now, of course, I like Tucker. Come on now. I like I do like Tucker. But they have people like this. She reminds me of a female version of what was his name? Lauren uh She reminds me of Aaron Barnett right now. Aaron Barnett, yeah, she kind of does like Aaron Barnett, but she rem- Chris Wallace. She's like a female version of Chris Chris Wallace on Fox News. Listen to cause he's not gonna let her off the hook. He's not going to let her off, and I love it. Play the clip. Look at the the judge's opinion. Look at the judge's opinion in Pennsylvania that talked about over 2 million illegal ballots cast. That was their court order. Look at the uh, special investigation of a former Wisconsin Supreme Court justice who found significant voter fraud at nursing homes in the state of Wisconsin. Look at the 2000 Mules documentary that has come out. Look at how many mass mail out of ballots there were across the United States for which we have no security. Okay, um, and and that has been looked at and fact-checked by multiple outlets, including Reuters, who have debunked that as any sort of proof that there was widespread voter fraud. I'm sorry, but other January people have fact-checked January, it and find you January, absolutely wrong, Sandra. But keep going 6th. with that story. If Thank you. I mean, how do, wow. I mean, she's going to quote I guess Reuters, she, which is totally leftist? Totally, totally leftist. leftist. She's going to quote a leftist organization talking about it's been debunked. It's, the 2000 Mules has been debunked. No, you know it hasn't. They're, of course, that is their go-to thing. And she's going to jump on board. She's on Fox News. Seriously. Yeah. I'm and, hold on. I got to say this, too. And you know what? If I were to take that very same clip and share that information on YouTube, they would go ballistic. They would give me a strike on my channel. And they would say that I'm sharing information that is harmful. And you know who is harmful to, Shannon? Who? to their liberal feelings because they refuse to believe that this, that the 2020 election was totally fraudulent. And it was, you can look at Joe Biden. He's a complete idiot staying in the basement. You can't tell me that president Trump got more votes this time than any other time. And Joe Brandon still won. I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. And I'm so thankful to hear on Lindell TV too, that we get to talk about this topic. We get to talk about this subject and not have to worry about it. Will Johnson, you can hear that on his program. He's a, he's a great commentator. As again, you can see his program 
let's talk about it on frankspeech.com. I'm sorry for that mess up there. I related earlier in our program, uh, former Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman's landmark report that there was widespread fraud in Wisconsin in the 2020 election and that the state should recall its Electoral College electors, Casper Biden. But you see, it was related here. Uh, you didn't hear it, but uh, <clears throat> further on in uh, Johnson's narrative, uh, there's a prominent Democrat, I believe, who claims that there was no there's – no, there's nothing to the claims of election fraud. And so, I mean, the, the, the Fox News reporter cites that. And, uh, of course, Gableman's report incidentally states that Facebook CEO and Democratic Party activist Mark Zuckerberg's $400 million project to encourage voting primarily in Democratic Party strongholds appears to have violated Wisconsin's bribery laws. But, of course, if anybody on the left says, no, they just poo-poo it, why then? That's carried by the media and as absolute proof that there wasn't any. If you follow the battles around the country over election fraud and election integrity, you're aware of Dinesh D'Souza's new documentary, 2,000 Mules, which makes the case that just 2,000 of many thousands more <clears throat> ballot harvesting mules or political operatives <clears throat> took part in enough illegal ballot harvesting in the key swing states to decide the election for Joe Biden. These activists, many of them communist Black Lives Matter agitators, were reportedly paid by left-wing organizations to do their work. The organization, True the Vote, tracked these activists, each dropping off ballots at 10 or more of the illegal ballot drop boxes in the swing states using sophisticated satellite geotracking of their cell phones. In future elections, these mules will surely be instructed to leave their phones at home. 2,000 mules was just released last month, but is already the top-grossing documentary of 2022 so far. As, and despite the political and media establishment's frantic efforts to disparage and falsely debunk its contents, the American people watching it will be able to decide for themselves what is true or what is not true. But the ballot drop box mules helping to overthrow the 2020 election, and probably those after it, is just the tip of the iceberg of a much, much bigger threat to our republic, according to Catherine Engelbrecht, True the Vote founder, and Greg Phillips, the organization's chief researcher. True the Vote is currently presenting their findings of this far-flung geo-tracked ballot harvesting operation in a number of key states that decided the election. Here's audio from the Epic Times Television's Facts Matter program with Roman Balmakoff on his program, which appeared July 3, on his YouTube channel. It's titled, Who Funded the Mules? Question mark. Play soundbite three, please. Good evening, and boy, do we have a special episode today. To start with, what you're seeing there on screen is called a ballot drop box. And according to an election watchdog group that was featured in the new film called 2000 Mules, well, it looks like different left-wing foundations, as well as different NGOs, they made, you can say, creative use of these ballot drop boxes during the 2020 election cycle. That's because, according to True the Vote, which is the election watchdog group that was featured in the film, they used cell phone geo-tracking data, they used surveillance footage, as well as interviews with the ballot mules themselves in order to map out what appears to be an illegal ballot trafficking scheme which played itself out across multiple states. However, one of the big questions that has been lurking in most people's minds after they see the film is where did the money come from? If there was such a large ballot trafficking operation, how was it financed? Well, 
While I was down in Florida for the global premiere of 2000 Mules, I got the unique opportunity to actually sit down and speak with Ms. Catherine Engelbrecht, the founder of True the Vote, as well as Mr. Greg Phillips, the lead researcher. And I asked them exactly that question. Take a listen. I wanted to know, when you were deciding who met the threshold, so you said they had to visit the Dropbox a certain number of times and a certain, a certain number of NGOs and another certain number of times, how did you figure out the NGOs? Were you looking for them because you, from your past experience, you knew that these were the types of actors, you know, behind the scenes? Or did you just see that a lot of people happen to go to that area and then you kind of put the two together? How, how did that play out? A little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, we had um, uh, somebody brought a report to me um, uh, that had, you know, what they thought, some suspicions about some groups. This was in Atlanta. Um, we haven't even gotten into Nevada yet, and there's all manner of things being provided to us from Atlanta and really all over the country. Um, and that was really part of it. But we also were able to, as we went, we were learning things. And, and frankly, just even in the last week, we've had people coming to us, well, hey, you need to go look at that, and you need to go look at this. And we started to kind of, in, we haven't had a lot of time, but we started to sort of ease into that and begun to see that there are, there are um patterns that are developing here that go way, way beyond just some local group that we call insurgencies, these local insurgencies. Um, there are both international and, and sort of national type foundations that are, um, have found ways to get money in a variety of fashions into these communities. And then the community themselves, the, the leaders that sort of run the, the local insurgency, they're the ones that kind of figure out what works in San Luis or what works in Atlanta or what works in these different areas. And, and the further we get into that, the more frightening to me that it becomes um, because we're starting to see big money, like billions, and we're starting to see foundations that have been around for 60 years, foundations that hatch Barack Obama and that, that are hatching Stacey Abrams. And, you know, as eye-opening as the movie is, we know so much more and while it's going to take us time to really unpack it all uh, this is really just the beginning and and it's a it's a breathtaking um, scenario I think that we find ourselves in yeah and I just add you know we're getting beginning to get feedback from people that have seen the movie and one of one of the most common um, comments is well if this is true why aren't there already investigations happening and there are some but sort of more broadly we agree. You know, why weren't, why weren't election officials looking at that surveillance video when it was happening? Why does it take a group like ours to beg, please, please, please look at what we're showing you and then go through all of the gauntlet that we've been put through? The, I mean, the, the clear efforts to intimidate us and to get us to stop, it, it's head scratching. Like, what about just a, a, a fair process is so troubling that you wouldn't want as, a, as an election administrator or as or as in the case of Georgia, I mean, this is the governor himself. Why would you go out of your way to cover this up? I mean, look, either we're right or we're not. And even in the complaints that we have filed specifically in Georgia, we've said, this is what the data shows. You do an investigation, you tell us what you think, or you just tell the state what you think, or maybe there's nothing to see, but look at it. You check it out and look at it. And that's never happened until the Secretary of State of Georgia did pick up an investigation. And now that's, you know, it's starting. I mean, everybody wants it to move more quickly, certainly, uh, you know, us more than anyone. But um, it's been very frustrating to see not just how slowly it's moved, 
But you look back on all the things that the country was being told in 2020. Don't worry about the drop boxes. We've got cameras. They're secure. Don't worry. This is and, and broadly the corporate media, right? Oh, this is the most secure election. And it was so the drumbeat was so loud. Everybody's saying the same thing. It's the most secure election. It's a lie to think otherwise. Well, no, it's not. I mean, if you can't if you can't talk about things. And you can't think them through. Where are we, right? So this is this breakthrough moment that we hope we're on the cusp of. Um, maddening that we're not further along, but nonetheless, we're making progress, and that's that's where we have to keep focus now. And I feel like your work is so powerful at breaking through because you, like you said, you're lying. You have to believe you're lying eyes at that point when you see the footage, when you see these data nodes moving from that's Dropbox right. to Dropbox. At some point. You have to at least admit to yourself that, okay, I, I see weird. this is happening, but I'm going to choose to ignore it. Okay. You have to make that choice. I, I call it, you know, when, sometimes when you watch uh, movies, the, the, the way you have to get in, your, in the right mind frame is just the willing suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that these people can't really, you know, fly and time travel, but I'm going to suspend my disbelief so I can enjoy the movie. Well, what we think we're seeing now is a willing suspension of belief. When you see it, but you just can't bring yourself to admit it because if you admit it it unravels so much and we have to go there we have to unravel this we have to explore this because the, the the penalty for not is too steep i mean as greg says this is not about republican or democrat this is about the preservation of the republic for both sides that's how that's how grave this is so um we know we're at the beginning of this the movie is a is a, a big part of making it clearer Uh, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. So when you began to dig deeper into these particular organizations and you found essentially org charts, how they go higher and higher, did you at the end of it find that the money, these billions of dollars, are they the domestic dollars or are they actually coming from outside of the country and influencing our domestic elections? I don't think we know that yet. I mean, we have our suspicions. Uh, we are involved in a... Um, A, a fairly another mature yeah, counterintelligence effort. <laughs> effort that's ongoing right now. Um, some agencies of the U.S. government and, and some outsiders, um, and it's they're looking hard at it. Um, you know, it's hard for them because there's so much, you know, politics. Even you know, if I'd love to say that there's no politics at the highest levels of the FBI or some of the other agencies that are involved. Um, but it's just not true, right? I mean, you know, they're 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 apt to be as big a haters of people like us as as anyone else, um, you know. But you have people that believe in their own work and believe in trying to stop this stuff before it does, in fact, ruin the republic. Uh, that are you know, these guys and ladies are working every single day, and many of them have been great to us and and um, have been willing to listen and talk. But it's frightening when you encounter some of the things we've encountered. I've been in meetings, you know, in the middle of the night in, in hotels because my analysts were afraid to meet me and show me what they had uh, at the office or at their homes. Um, and in fact, most of my analysts, nobody even knows who they are, and I won't tell anybody who they are because I don't want them to be canceled. I mean, these people are, you know, have kids and wives and, and everything else, and it's just nuts. But when you see this stuff in real life, and it's not, you know, like a you know, some supposed gunfight with the CIA in Frankfurt or satellites in Rome or any of this kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. But it's real and it's in front of your face and you can see it and you can feel it and, and you recognize that, that data 
isn't where it belongs and and there are things that that we know that that are are going to stun America that aren't even in this movie that's when it really starts I think for us to get sort of real right it's like you know this is this is frightening stuff all of my guys carry now I mean I mean they're they're afraid of what's going to happen with this movie coming out I'm afraid for her um, and you know these people are these people are bad but part of what they don't know is the depth of what we do know. Mm-hmm. And once that eventually comes out, I mean, if this movie doesn't change the game, everything else that we know that, that will be coming soon will change it. Well, Guarantee you. And, and for this, this other half of it that, that is coming soon, is it also going to be in, in the sense that it's undeniable? You're looking at this yes. and you, you yes. can't? Yes, 100%. Wow. Yes, yes. Greg Phillips there denigrates reports that came out shortly after the 2020 election that electronic voting data supposedly stored at a server farm in Frankfurt, Germany, was seized by U.S. Special Forces after a gun battle there, he said, with the CIA. By the way, Bill Barr was in the CIA for some time. And there's another was another report that uh, the Italian government that Italian government satellites were used to facilitate the vote switching from Trump to Biden electronically in the 2020 election. Those reports uh, have not been verified and have seemed to have faded from memory. But here we have these people making some pretty astonishing claims of their own, which have yet to be verified as true, though they say this is going to happen soon. And you also hear Philip saying, I believe, that most of the people helping him are carrying guns and that Phillips is afraid for the safety of Catherine Engelbrecht and, by inference, his, his safety. If what they're saying here is true, that there are large and powerful organizations that work to take over our elections and determine outcomes, they have reason to fear for their lives. We can only hope and pray that True the Vote is successful in revealing the truth behind what they say they are uncovering. I hear him mention there that he is working with some people in our government, so that's encouraging. But as he says, there's a lot of pressure on them not to be involved in this, if I understand it correctly. Speaking of powerful organizations and forces behind events, let's round out today's audio presentation with information on some of the world's most powerful individuals, namely those political, government, and business and cultural elites involved in shaping and promoting government policies and laws for their vision of a future world government. Here's a brief clip to start out. From NTD Televisions, that's the television arm of uh, the Epoch Times, NTD Television's China Insider Program with David Zhang. It's titled War Without Rules. It's referring to a book and was part of Zhang's May 12 broadcast. Play soundbite four, please. China is waging a total war without rules against the United States, using unrestricted warfare to win by all means necessary. And they trot out these numbers of only, you know, 4,600 or so people that have died due to the coronavirus. Of course, they stopped counting of in April of 2020. To beat the United States in all aspects, we don't consider to be battlefields. And their goal? What they wanted the world to believe is that the Chinese model, the Chinese social, political and economic model is superior to the democratic model. Today, I speak with General Robert Spaulding, retired Air Force Brigadier General, on his new book, War Without Rules, to understand what China's limitless warfare tactic, called unrestricted warfare, means. 
how China understands war differently than the West, what areas we're losing in, and what to do to combat the China threat. CCP Chairman, some call him President, China's dictator Xi Jinping, gave a recorded speech played at the World Economic Forum's 2022 gathering in Davos, Switzerland, last month. The speech was originally recorded last January, but was part of the was played at the rescheduled because that was when it was due to be held last January, but it was rescheduled to last month. And at the the speech was played, I said at the uh, recorded speech of Xi Jinping at the WEF's uh, gathering in Davos. At the end of the recording, World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab profusely praised and thanked Xi Jinping for his comments. I found what I listened to of Xi's speech vacuous and just the opposite of what we are seeing going on in China today. And that's what you do see with totalitarian communists. But that's another topic. We don't have time for it on this program. Lastly, here's Dr. Steve Turley discussing the five most creepy dystopian things that came out of the WEF's gathering this year. These are things the globalist totalitarian worshipping elites who attend Davos each year would like to see imposed on the rest of us, not them. It's from Turley's Turley Talks program and was broadcast on his YouTube channel May 6. Please play soundbite 5. Every year, presidents, prime ministers, and CEOs from around the world are sequestered together in the remote mountain village of Davos, Switzerland, for the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. Now, while the exclusiveness and secrecy of the meeting certainly adds to their mystery, a number of proposals that have surfaced confirm that the WEF believes that creating a, quote, better future requires their controlling and engineering virtually every aspect of political and economic life around the globe. Here are the top five creepiest, most dystopian things pushed by the World Economic Forum. Number five, pushing for a Great Reset. The Great Reset was the theme of the 50th gathering of the World Economic Forum in 2021, summarized in their conference video. The pandemic has radically changed the world as we know it. And the actions we take today as we work to recover will define our generation. Now is the time to think what history would say about this crisis. 2020 has been challenging on a lot of levels, as economic, environmental and societal frailties have been laid bare. But it's also proved that when we need to, we can act rapidly and restructure our lives. The recovery from the pandemic is an opportunity. We can see rays of hope in the form of a vaccine, but there is no vaccine for the planet. Nature needs a bailout. You don't want to go back to the status quo that you had before simply because it was the status quo that got us here. With everything falling apart, we can reshape the world in ways we couldn't before. Ways that better address so many of the challenges we face. And that's why so many are calling for a great reset. A great reset? That sounds more like buzzword bingo masking some nefarious plan for world domination. Hands up, this kind of slogan hasn't gone down well. But all we really want to say is that we all have an opportunity to build a better world. And it's not... Yes! We all have the opportunity to build a better world. And that's why we're all invited to Davos every year. 
aren't we? I love how they mock the concerns of conspiracy theorists only to then go on to justify precisely those concerns. At this conference, the WEF reiterated its belief that a globalized world is best managed by a self-selected coalition of multinational corporations, governments, and civil society organizations who work in tandem to impose policies and values that end up benefiting them at our expense. And the Great Reset involved strategizing how the pandemic restrictions could be used to intensify their managerial rule effectively over the world. Number four, recalibrating freedom of speech. At the latest meeting in Davos, a number of speakers talked about creating business conditions that in effect control the choices of consumers in order to, quote, make this a better world. But perhaps the most brazen example comes from the Australian e-safety commissioner, Julie Inon Grant, who claimed that businesses are going to have to, in her words, recalibrate the notion of free speech online. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're, we have increasing polarization <laughs> everywhere and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online, you know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on- online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. (laughs) Now, besides the fact that I actually have no idea what this woman is actually talking about, isn't it telling that not a single person at Davos stood up and asked, "Uh, excuse me, who the hell are you to recalibrate anyone's rights, let alone human rights? But of course, this is what the WEF is all about. They're not about finding solutions to problems in their own spheres of influence. They're not about blaming governments or corporations for all the problems of the world. No, 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 no. They're all about shifting responsibility for all of that over to you. You are the problem with all of your polarizations. Number three, tracking your clothes. (laughs) That's right. The Dalton Davos want to install microchips into your clothing so that they can track that clothing according to digital IDs. Now, it gets creepier given the fact that they never quite explain precisely what digital IDs embedded in our clothes actually does. Uh, They claim it's going to help the environment, but we're not sure how. They claim it's going to enable them to resell the clothing, but that's not clear either. They do mention digital passports being embedded in the clothing ID, but then again, why anyone would actually want this or benefit from this still remains a mystery. Number two, smartphones will be in your body by 2030. At the last Davos meeting, Nokia CEO Pekka Lundmark claimed that in just a few years, we could actually become physically united with our smartphones. Take a look. I wanted to ask when you all think we're going to move from this form factor to something that's on your face glasses and compu- when computing's all in the edge. All right. 50 seconds. Who wants to answer quickly? I think it will go. It, it will, first of all, it will definitely happen. I, 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 I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 2030, I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be be the usual, kind of the most common interface. Many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. That's right. According to the Dolts at Davos, 6G technology promises to turn you and me into full-blown cyborgs. 
Now, before I announce the number one creepiest, most dystopian thing pushed by the WEF, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know what you think in the comments below. And make sure to click on that link below and check out our awesome merch where you can support this channel while spreading patriot hope far and wide. Click on that link or visit store.turleytalks.com. That's store.turleytalks.com. Dot com. All right, the number one creepiest, most dystopian thing pushed by the WEF, the motto from the 26th meeting, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Without a doubt, this was perhaps the single most dystopian moment in WEF history. In 2016, Ida Aukin, a member of parliament in Denmark, said, quote, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. The WEF loved that quote so much that it tweeted it out, and in an article posted on their website, they developed the concept even further, imagining a world where all ownership turns into rentorship, all production turns into services such that no one will actually own anything, but will avail themselves of services provided solely by WEF-controlled corporations, services that are either rented or delivered. The system would, in effect, make all humans completely dependent on the WEF. There would be absolutely no autonomy, no freedom, and no privacy. And according to the WEF, you'll be happy. <laughs> now, the good news in all this is that the world is moving more and more away from globalism, and it's increasingly embracing tribalism, nationalism, and civilizationalism, which are together totally recalibrating the world away from the Dalts and Davos. Oh, sure, they may cause some problems in the interim, but rest assured, the days of the WEF having any real influence in the world are indeed coming to an end. Sure hope Turley's right. The undeniable proof that these socialistic, world government-loving buffoons, many of whom occupy positions of enormous power and influence around the world, are absolute phonies and hypocrites, is that last creepy idea of creating a world where you own nothing, and yet you are happy. Do you really think that Prince Charles, who one commentator referred to as the insufferable Prince Charles, is really going to give up the tens of millions of pounds the British people have to fork over every year to the royal family? Do you really believe Prince Charles is going to kick his aged queen mother out of Buckingham Palace and turn it over to poor people in need of housing? Do you really think George Soros is going to give up his multi-billion dollar personal fortune, along with his mansion in New York, and rent everything in his life? Do you think the CCP's good friend and promoter Bill Gates is going to give up his enormous wealth and rent everything he has, living like the true paupers that he wants the rest of us to be? I have a challenge for these frauds and revolting hypocrites. Do it. Give up your enormous wealth and set an example for the world. You can pool all your money and approve a so appoint a Soviet, you know, a committee to administer its distribution to the rest of the people of the world through goods and services, I guess. They're free. If there are any. If the dolts of Davos, as Turley calls them, don't do this. Then the world's populations have no reason to respect or even listen to their constant socialistic drivel. I wouldn't agree with these imbecilic totalitarian worshippers, even if they did actually divest themselves of their staggering wealth. 
but at least I can have some grudging respect for them. But of course, as we all know, that's never going to happen. Totalitarian leaders, at least until they fall from grace with the powers they serve, are always fabulously wealthy. It's you and me who struggle, suffer, and die in the poverty and slavery they create. That's it for another show. As always, we hope you found our content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted shortly on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again two weeks from today in the same time slot, and have a great rest of your day and evening.